This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, January 29th, 2020. My guest is Stuart Miles of Pocket Lint. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Hello. How are things over on the other side of the pond? Yeah, it's good. We're getting ready for uh, Brexit. I suppose I've, there we go. I've said I wasn't going to say anything about that and there I've done it. <laughs> oh, I feel your pain, my friend. This is a, this is a rough time, this, this whole Brexit situation. So uh, let's talk about phones. Uh, MWC is coming up. It's about three weeks away at this point. And I kind of know you do kind of a lot of analysis and trend type stuff. Mm. And I'd love to hear your take on what you think we're going to see there and what you think in general the trends are going to be in mobile in 2020. Uh, and then I want to dig into some rumors and news because we have, as usual, this time of year, an insane glut of rumors. It's the third show in a row where we're spending most of the show on rumors. So there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things. As a journalist, you kind of hope that there are surprises because you want to be as excited as someone that doesn't know and follow these things as much as possible does. But totally. there are a couple of leakers out there that just like getting their hands and spoiling all the fun. But I mean, at the same time, you know, you and I have been doing this for a long time. I mean, for context, I don't know if the people listening right now, our audience knows this, but I think I met you at that BlackBerry event or maybe before yeah. that. I can't remember. Probably before that. Well, I started right? Pocket Lint in 2003. So uh, that's 17 years next month that we've been going, which is predates most things i think it predates youtube it predates um it predates podcasts certainly uh although it was called radio back then so it's probably slightly <laughs> they predate us <laughs> yeah, totally. but yeah i've been i mean as a journalist i've, I've been covering tech since 98 so uh, you know seen the rise of of 3g i remember covering wap uh back oh, in the man, day i remember that too uh, and all that sort of stuff and then covering through the launch of 3g and then the launch of 4g and the launch of 5g and Probably be around to see the launch of 6G when that comes eventually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of insane when you think about how long we've known each other. Tell me what your thoughts are on, now that we're in the 5G you know, segment of our history here, what are you most excited about MWC that you think is going to be a big deal, that you're looking forward to, that you think is a trend? I mean, obviously, 5G has been thrown around for years now. And I feel that it's actually coming of age quite strongly this year, at least here in the US. What do you feel about all this? So I think the big story here is going to be that 5G is kind of starts to see that democratization. So the early 5G devices, we've had a few, they've obviously moved very early adopted of, you know, early adopter sets. They're on flagship phones. You kind of, to get into the 5G game, you kind of had to have paid quite a bit of money in terms of a physical handset, but also the contracts, whether that's in the US or the UK or, or elsewhere, you've had to pay quite a bit of money to get those because obviously you're using data and all those things. I think what you'll see this year, and it will kick off with MWC, is a sense of of the price barrier to entry coming down considerably. I don't think it will be suddenly a, a flood of, of you know, sub $200, $300 phones that all support 5G, but I think you'll start to see the needle move. And certainly by the end of the year, it will be, you'll get a lot of 5G phones that, you know, are just affordable for most people rather than limited to like the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G, for example, or, um, or like a Huawei Mate, I think the Mate X, isn't it? That was 5G. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, I think you'll get, it'll just be more, more approachable um, for a lot more people. And the benefit there will be that when there's more handsets, you'll then start getting the networks will have kind of caught up. In the UK, we're seeing, you know, EE's been pushing quite hard on 5G. Uh, Vodafone, we're now starting to get MVOs pushing on, on 5G as well. So it's kind of opening up already, but it's still a coverage issue. And I suspect it's similar in the US. You've got AT&T, Verizon, all those guys saying we've got 5G, but it's still city by city, not nationwide, isn't it? So I think the combination of, of a wider network reach and more coverage and cheaper phones means that it will kind of get to a point where more of us are using 5G or have the have have the the urge to go 5G. I think at the moment it's still very much a case of I know that I'm in a very strong 5G area so therefore I'm going to get it. 
I like the phone. I might as well, I'm going to have it for the next two years. I might as well future-proof myself yeah. rather than thinking, you know, it's, it's a done deal. It's a bit like TVs. For a long time, 4K was a, an exciting optional extra that you kind yeah. of could just about justify. Kind of standard. And now it's like if you bought a TV that wasn't 4K, you'd be like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. How does that, how's that possible? No, I agree. I think your your analysis is uh, totally on point that the you know the price point and combination of coverage is going to make 5G happen. But it's interesting because I'm seeing an acceleration here in the US because the coverage is here now. So here's the thing you have to understand and I know you know this, but for the listeners, you know there's essentially three tiers of 5G. There is millimeter wave, there is uh, kind of mid band, and then there's low band, and mid band and low band are considered the sub six stuff, uh, sub six gigahertz basically. So the the thing about the US is that if you look at at Verizon, AT and T, and T Mobile, and Sprint, you know, doesn't count too much because they're about to get assimilated by T Mobile at some point soon. So the the big three are essentially right now have millimeter wave in very select markets. And as you know, it's crap, like in the sense that mm. the phones are expensive, they're bulky, battery life is an issue, they overheat, it's just not baked. And, and it requires pico cells, you know, on every lamppost almost yeah. to work. So if that's what you think of 5G, that's not where the future really is. That's a special case. 5G millimeter wave is for airports, for stadiums, for super high density, you know, like Rockefeller Center in New York City, right? Like that kind of stuff or, or Times Square, right? But uh, mid-band is more promising. It's more similar to what we have today with LTE and low-band is where it's really killer. And the reason I think it's a little different here in the US is because both AT&T and T-Mobile have rolled out low-band and right. we pretty much have nationwide coverage now, instantly. Like, at least with T-Mobile, they have more coverage on their 600 megahertz 5G now than they have on their 4G LTE. Which is, you know, what you want. So that's getting really interesting, right? Because at that point now, that's what's missing is affordable handsets. The only two handsets they have are a Samsung Galaxy Note 10 5G and the McLaren Edition OnePlus 7T Pro, which, as you know, which are, are both, both pretty pricey. Pricey phones. <laughs> Right. And it's not a huge deal in the U.S. because in the U.S. the customers buy subsidized. So for them, it's just the difference between one or more, you know, one or two more espressos a month in terms of their monthly bill. Right. Like, so it's not a big deal. But I think you're right that once we can get phones at the $300 mark in the U.S., for like prepaid customers, for people on a budget who don't want to be tied to a, a payment plan for the for the handset, the networks are already getting there. And I think that this is very exciting to me. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we started, I mean, I was out at CES and I know you were too, and, you know, popped over to the TCL stand and they had, you know, they were saying they were going to be very aggressive on 5G pricing and, you know, kind of the ideology of a sub $500 phone. And I think you'll see the, the likes from that of Motorola or probably, you know, we're already starting to see the Samsung A series, I think is 5G or certainly the Lite yeah, or one of yeah. them. They've got so many phones these days, it's hard to track. But, you know, you're starting to see some of the smaller players. What you found in the UK was that they, uh, most of our 5G network is, that's currently alive is built on the 4G network. So it was quite easy for them to roll out, but they're exactly. kind of still adding to it um we've obviously very controversially this week we've just approved the huawei uh the ability for them to be involved in our 5g networks not yep, yep. not in the core but on the edge and and the reason it's you know 35 percent of the total count and all that kind of stuff that goes with it is because it's mainly that's kind of what we've got already with the 4g network that they're already powering and now that that deal is is kind of been approved so to speak i think that the acceleration for 5g in the uk will will run quite fast because everybody knows what's going on and how they and how it's going to work that 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 doubt that unsureness of what's happening with 5g networks in the uk has been disappeared and you know so we'll push it now three have they've just gone for pure 5g rather than building it off off a 4g network so they should have a faster system in the end but they're a smaller business they're sort of you know taking a little bit extra time to get to get running but i think certainly by well, let's say by September the 12th, when we think a certain company is going to launch a 5G phone, which will have a huge impact on the whole industry, even though I believe it will be a massive premium for that. Yes. Uh, I think the, the, the networks are probably all targeting that date 
and that yeah. kind of alignment to make mm-hmm. sure that they have a decent coverage. And if they can, if they can justify paying for all that by being able to sell three hundred, four hundred dollar five G handsets off those that can't afford a fifteen hundred dollar phone, then I think, you know, that's only going to catapult five G even further and faster into the future. For sure. So my experience using T-Mobile's low-band 5G with the McLaren Edition OnePlus has been that it doesn't seem to impact battery life too badly, unlike millimeter wave. A coverage is is broad and strong and fast. Now it's not you know gigabit performance like millimeter brings, but it's you know 100 megabit performance consistently mm. and you you can drop down to one bar of signal and still get tens of megabits of performance and and as you said T-Mobile is basically doing what you said is happening in the UK for this low band stuff where they're repurposing 4G uh, networks right and so they're not putting new towers or anything there there just happens that 5G is a better technology penetrates buildings better yep. gives you better throughput and more devices on the network um, in the same kind of bandwidth as 4g did essentially and so all of a sudden areas that were fringy on t-mobile's network on 4g are working better on 5g so when i say the the network is broader with 5g i really mean just it works better right on the same towers and the same frequencies yeah so that's been my experience and now we're not seeing gigabit speeds here you'll never see that on low band it's 600 megahertz like do the math it's not gonna happen but at the same time it really gives me a lot of hope uh for the future um at is rolling that out on 850 megahertz and and here's the kicker verizon doesn't have any spectrum for that at this point they have some 700 megahertz spectrum but they really don't have anything yet completely like gelled uh sprint is all mid-band and when timo acquires sprint this is what and part of the reason that timo wants to acquire sprint is that that way then they have all three they have millimeter in Mm. some select cities they have mid-band for like denser urban spaces not as dense as stadiums or airports and then they have the low band for basically this massive country that we have here to deal with right and so I think for me, what I'm excited about from my experience using this for a month and a half now, since since the Qualcomm uh, thing in, in Hawaii, the, the big tech summit, is that I feel like we're getting better coverage, especially in critical fringy signal areas, and we're getting not a huge hit on battery life. The only challenge, as you said, is is price of the terminal, price of the phone. So I think that if we resolve that, and I think, you know, with players in the US like OnePlus, who's becoming really big. I mean, it is not uncommon now to go to customer support page and see, you know, four brands of phones listed, right? Apple, Samsung, maybe LG, and then, you know, the next one is OnePlus. That's how big it's become here. So I think that we're going to see some sub 500 phones. And at MWC, I wouldn't be surprised to see some sub 300 phones. And of course, Huawei has announced a sub that they would have a sub 175. US dollar 5G phone by the end of 2020, early 21. So, no, that might be for China only, though, right? It might not be uh, for the West. The bless them, Huawei. You know, we're not really sure what's going to happen with them. They were, they really have had the uh, the rug pulled from beneath them. uh, No, it's terrible. In terms of you know creating innovation and stuff, and then obviously not being able to do it, not being able to do anything with it, and you kind of see that. I think that's going to be one of the other themes of MWC is is other companies like OnePlus, like Oppo, like Xiaomi, uh, and, and and even Moto and, and Sony trying to desperately fill the void that has been created by Huawei pulling back from the market because it has no choice right? and, and trying to gain that ground until they know that Huawei is kind of back up and running again. And I feel that it's kind of one of those things where they're in a race Huawei's has got a flat tire and it's having to change that and everybody's thinking, well, they were quite a quite a way ahead, but we might be able to catch them. But we've got to do it before they can get that tire back on and back in the race. Yeah. Because once they yeah. do, then we're we're stuck in the same position again. For sure. And I think the ones that are best positioned to do that right now, I feel, are Xiaomi and Oppo. And you know, maybe Vivo, OnePlus, all BBK group in general, but OnePlus is doing well in North America. I think they're doing okay in Europe. Uh, in North America, they're highly driven by their partnership with T Mobile. Right. 
and and you know and they're selling more premium devices in the US like their higher end thing like the 5G phone because again the market here does not support the mid range right like there's no need for it like you and I enthusiasts our listeners are going to buy those $500 unlock phones but the average person doesn't care if their phone is $750 or a thousand like $1100 because the difference in the end is maybe $10 a month right Right, and $10 okay. is the price of two cups of coffee. So if you can get a flagship, a premium flagship, like a Galaxy or an iPhone with 5G this year for $1,000, uh, like you would have normally gotten a 4G phone for $1,000, you're just going to get the 5G phone. You know? You're not going to think about it, especially if the network is ready and low band is everywhere. Then you're just going to benefit. So I think... I think that's what we're going to see in this market. And the low end, like the, the prepaid market in the U.S., is where that, that Huawei phone at $175 will make a big difference. Once we get phones below $200 in the U.S. that work on the 5G networks, that, that prepaid net world will switch over to 5G pretty much instantly. But until then, they're going to stick on LTE. And the mid-range is going to continue to linger in our market. But I think the mid-range is going to be very strong in India. And I want to say by mid-range, I really mean the unlike premium flagships, I call them affordable flagships. You know, mm. like OnePlus 7T, the Oppo Renos, the, you know, these kind of phones. Well, they, so I think, yeah. They do very well in the UK because, you know, that's out, the UK mobile phone market is very different. In, of course, to, you know, I know, I understand that. I'm in, just telling you, like, sense, my experience yeah. here. No, no, I'm just and in that sense that, you know, a lot of people I know, uh, are on SIM only contracts, so you know you buy your phone and then yep. you pay around about twelve pounds, so like fifteen twenty dollars for you know a fairly good mobile, you know, all you can phone, text, and you know probably six Plan. gig of yeah, data yeah. or something. So you know from that sense, it's kind of and then you're just left to go out and buy your your own phone. So people go off and buy the the mid range flagships, you know, the affordable flagships, as 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 you say, you know, because it makes sense to do that if you want to stick on a budget. Um, you know, people obviously, you know, I know the the new Motorola Razor, for example, and I'm sh sure we'll talk about that as well. But it's that sense of, you know, that's just launched in the UK at £94 a month. Uh, that's the only way you can do that. Um, and majority of people I know are like, oof, that's a lot of money. Um, because we're just not used to paying that kind of cash on a monthly basis for a phone. No, for sure. But in the US, give you an example, Verizon sells a razor for $60 a month. Mm. So it's a huge difference in even monthly payment, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, like I'm all for buying my own phones unlocked. I do it all the time. I mean, I, I thankfully don't have to because I get review units that I can keep for a while, but I used to, and I would continue if I wasn't a journalist because I feel it's a sweet spot. Like that McLaren uh, edition is a little too fancy. I don't really need that level of fancy. Mm. I, I could live with a OnePlus 7T. I did for a while. I loved it. It was a great phone. It's 549 US dollars or whatever. Um, and the Oporinos are great. And, you know, Xiaomi makes great phones at that price point. Although in the US, the Oppos and Xiaomi's, even though they're available, great market and stuff, they're, and, and they support Google, of course, and everything. They're not, the, the skins are a little too foreign for people. It, it's funny how one Chinese company is, is on the entity list and, and two other Chinese companies aren't. And, and how OnePlus is actually having a really good time with yeah. their business in the US. Uh, you know, through the carrier relationship they have. And 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 I think that's only going to grow for them at this point. But what I was trying to get to is that if you look at Moto's phones and you look at the Pixel phones and you look at the OnePlus phones, which are really the popular devices amongst the, you know, buy your own terminal, buy your own handset, you know, crowd here, the early adopter tech savvy folks in the U.S., and, and I would probably argue that in the UK, you have more selection, so that might not be quite the same for even for the early adopter and tech savvy folk. The, the commonality between these three types of handset is that it's a very pure Google experience. Mm. It's a pure Android type experience. And pure is, is very loaded, but you know what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's very unskinned, undecorated, unmodified. And, and for better or for worse, sometimes it's not for good because there are some good features to be added. Um, I would qualify Samsung as pretty light-handed these days in their user interface uh, compared to the TouchWiz days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think I think, but you know, but I think that Oppo and Xiaomi are still very heavy-handed, and yeah. even Vivo, right? Whereas OnePlus, I mean, it just feels like you're using a Pixel with a, a custom launcher, maybe, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like a, I always think those kind of scenarios is as, as, as vanilla 
vanilla uh, ice cream where perhaps the OnePlus has got vanilla, but it's got those kind of vanilla pods in it. And you're like, oh, what are those black bits? Just because it, it kind of makes it a little bit different from the regular vanilla. And then obviously, you know, as you say, TouchWiz was more sort of like tutti frutti. <laughs> sort of, you know, some Baskin Robbins crazy flavor that you've got. Yeah, I mean, I felt that HTC had the same issue in the early days with their you know, skin. I mean, they brought a lot to the table in terms of making Android yeah. more usable. But at the same time, you know, you knew that as a developer, you couldn't really support these features because they were custom to that company, right? And until they get baked into Google or whatever, EOS or whatever it's called, Android Open Source Project, you're not going to get the benefit really for everyone else, right? So... Yeah, I mean, what I'm excited about for, for MWC, other than this whole 5G discussion, which I really think we're going to see uh, some really great affordable handsets, 300 to $500 with 5G, uh, a strong push on that. I think we're going to see things like under-display cameras uh, for the selfies. We're going to yep. see, you know, more folding prototypes. All right? the folding. Well, we should see, I mean, we should see the Galaxy Z Flip, I suppose. That's coming out before that. That's coming out on February 11th in San Francisco. But you're right. It's still within the context of MWC. All I'm trying to say is that there's going to be very few that are ready and shipping type devices. The I think the Z Flip from Samsung is one. The Razer, of course, is another one. I think I'm talking about things we didn't expect. Devices that are close to production that are you know viable potentially viable folding devices are, are, and and more affordable like less than a thousand dollars we might see that at mwc as well yeah i think what's what's nice about the uh about the folding displays and what i'm kind of excited about is that nobody really has understood yet what the best form factor for these phones is exactly and it feels having covered those halcyon days of nokia when they were launching you know, various shaped phones every week almost. Uh, <laughs> it feels like we're back to that scenario. I mean, I remember playing, I remember reviewing right at the beginning Nokia, a Nokia phone that looked like a lipstick and I it didn't even that. have a, it had like a, it had an old dial button. It didn't even have sort of keypads and you were just supposed to like have your contacts in it and nothing else. Um, you know, so I think we've every, every, uh, foldable screen device that we've seen out of all of the companies that are playing around with these things have all been different. Where if you look at, you know, the main smartphone, they're all six-sided piece of glass with as thin a bezel as possible, <laughs> maybe a punch hole camera to, or a notch to make it a bit different and, you know, something else. So I, I think from a, they say it, from a journalist perspective, from someone that covers the industry, it's quite nice and refreshing to go, oh, that's an interesting design. I wonder if that will work. Oh, that's a that's a completely different design. Let's see what happens there. So I absolutely agree. Yeah, no, that's what I'm excited about too, and that's why I'm hoping to see more than just prototypes. Like TCL showed that prototype at CS, yep. you know, and it's nice, but like there's no there's no front screen. You're like, how you're gonna be able to screen calls, and, and it's not really fleshed out, right? No, and, I mean that one reminded me of the the HTC Diamond with that kind of oh cut yeah, they prism totally stole design that design. I know, <laughs> totally. I mean, I feel like we're going to see some devices. I think, first of all, the form factor of the Razer and the Z Flip, you know, basically a standard-sized phone that folds in half and puts in your pocket is going to become very popular. Once somebody masters how to do it right, uh, whether that be Moto or or Samsung or someone else, and, and I think that form factor is the one I'm, I think we're more likely to see at MWC hmm. at a price point that, you know, works for people. And you know, not pie in the sky, like we'll ship, we'll possibly reasonably ship next, like next month, next quarter, next, before the end of 2020, right? Um, the the bigger, the kind of phone that turns into a tablet, like the Mate X and the terrible, terrible Galaxy Fold, because I think it's a terrible design, need to really be proven still. Because the big problem, I don't know if you saw, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, Ron Amadeo of Ars Technica finally reviewed the Galaxy Fold. And if you know Ron, he's a bit of a kind of a naysayer about a lot of things and bring us down to reality in many ways. And I do appreciate that about him. I mean, it in a good way. Mm. So I feel like his review, which is pretty negative, really does bring us back to reality about a lot of the shortcomings of the Galaxy uh, Fold. And I think you should read it. And I'm going to put it in the show notes because what the takeaway is, you know, he waited until now, January, to review this phone. And he says it's a terrible phone when it's closed and it's a terrible tablet when it's open. And in great part, it's a terrible tablet because 
Android doesn't do tablets very well. Like Android is not very good at being a tablet OS, right? So I don't want to discount this form factor of a phone turning into a tablet, but I feel that that's less likely to be the bread and butter of folding phones. And I think MWC is probably going to, um, I'm hoping, I guess, I should say I have a, maybe I have a horse in this race in some emotional way, that that MWC proves me right on that. Yeah, I think, I mean, as I say, we're still in that very early concept stage. We're still, you know, Samsung is is formidable at, at throwing things at a wall and seeing which one sticks. Yeah. You know, you only have to look at their tablet uh, their tablet focus and, and formula when it was kind of, you know, it's like, right, let's launch a seven-inch tablet. Let's launch a seven-and-a-half-inch tablet. Let's launch an eight-inch tablet. What about nine-and-a-half? <laughs> what about nine? Yeah. What about ten? No, let's go I 25. Know. And I mean, I mean, they, they brought us the note, right? They did the note. They did the big screen phone first, and everybody is on board now. Like, we all understood that was the right way to go. So I think it will be interesting to see my, my fear. My only fear with the Galaxy Z Flip is that, from the leaked images that I've seen, is that it looks like a compact you know, a compact mirror for girls. And it's kind of, it's got the, the leaked image I've seen is kind of like a mauvey pinkish color. And I'm just worried that they're going to go, hey, tech savvy girls, you like tech too. Here's a foldable oh, phone. Oh God, yeah, no, I hope it's not that. You oh, know that, God. and I don't mean that, in a, I'm not saying that from my negativity because I think it's awful and, you know, a horrible way of doing it. But you just, there is something deep down in, in Samsung that we like, this is a brilliant idea. Let's do it. I mean, I was at that Radio City Hall. I'm sure you were as well. Oh, yeah. I, I did not go to that. I saw it, though, live streamed. Oh, my God. There were, there it's were, like they're so tone deaf, right? Yeah, there were, there were cougars hunting men, cutting, cutting hedges <laughs> to, to, to show that you could look away from a video and the video would stop. You know, and this was, was all on stage. Was that the Galaxy S four or the S three? Oh, I can't was, remember. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was horrid. <laughs> it was horrid. So I mean, look, Samsung will probably mess up the marketing. I, I'm not too worried though, because if it's cool, people will buy it, and they might buy it in the generic black color instead of the pink. Yeah. Um, I actually feel that the Razer, you know, as a woman, I feel the Razer is more kind of in line with a stereotypical lady product i hate to say that because i don't believe in that crap you yeah. know but, but i, mean, I feel one like of the sorry one of the the most popular selling razors certainly in the uk and i'm not sure whether this is the same in the us was the hot pink the hot pink was even very popular here as well yeah, yeah absolutely so i think look i'm not too worried honestly about the z flip not appealing to i think the z flip is going to be a niche product just like the razor is going to be a niche product but at least they're going to perfect the technology so that the stuff works and is reliable and you can use it every day right yeah. that's what i'm hoping i'm really excited and maybe we should segue into the leaks because we're almost half an hour in but I'm really excited about the rumors that the screen on the Z Flip is covered by a very thin sheet of flexible glass. Mm. And so now we have less worries around things like, you know, uh, blotches and, and, and bumps and things like that, which are typical of these plastic film uh, screens so far, right? Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe Samsung has finally gotten it right. But I hope it closes perfectly flat like the Razer, that there's no gap at the hinge like the Fold does, because that is an ugly, ugly design that needs to go away. And, you know, clearly um, Lenovo with Moto and the Razer has shown that it can be done right. So, you know, I, I think Samsung has no excuse if this thing doesn't fold fully flat. No, I, I think you're right there. And I think, you know, I... It still amazes me whenever I see any of these uh, prototype folding folding screen displays. You know, whether it's the crazy guys with the flex pad uh, from Royale, uh, Rolly, or oh however yeah, you the those. flex pal. Yeah, or whether it's the you know the the mate from uh, Mate X, isn't it from Huawei? Huawei. You know, yeah. or the or even the fold. It's just it, it always makes me. It feels like magic, which is amazing that you see this. And if you can premium that even further by putting glass instead of bobbly plastic which you know is just going to get scratched and 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 scuffed and all the other stuff more so than you would a plastic thing then then that's got to be a, a a bonus what what i find amazing and you know to give credit to samsung where credit's due is is the innovation they're doing but also the speed that they're doing this you know this the if the z is the to believe as is the rumors are to believed it looks like then you know they would have obviously been working on this way before the fold came out but then to adapt For and sure. change it 
to be able to to up the game from the fold, you know, at the same time, but still keep it to effectively six months later, you know, this is, you know, it's pretty good going to to suddenly of of being able to turn that round, and and hopefully this will be the device that they should have launched. But as you know, everybody from Zuckerberg etc will tell you if you're not embarrassed by your first product then you went too late yeah pretty much uh, so here's a few things that on the latest rumors of or leaks whatever of the um, the Z flip Z flip depending which country you're in hmm. so apparently there's no, this is going to be based on an older chipset in the sense that it's a Snapdragon 855 not 865 so clearly it was in process of design a year ago in my opinion hmm. uh, no 5G so it's a 6.7 inch 1080p uh, foldable OLED. Uh, it's supposed to have a thin layer of like called they call it ultra thin glass, uh, and it has a one inch front display for notifications and caller ID and stuff. So OLED, of course, uh, but one inch, 300 by 116 pixels. So this is the leak. We've got basically specs. The aspect ratio on the display is 22 to nine, which is very very tall. And then we have uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much... Oh, dual rear cameras. Basically the same setup as the Galaxy S10e, which should give you an idea of when this phone was kind of engineered, uh, which is a great camera system. And, you know, sure, it's going to be, you know, overtaken, I should say, by the S20 in terms of specs for the camera. But what do you expect? This thing was in design a year ago. So 12 megapixel main lens and 12 megapixel ultra wide. And then there's no headphone jack, obviously USB charging, Doesn't we don't know about wireless charging. Mm. It's expected to have eight gigs of RAM, 256 gigs of storage. Uh, no micro SD expansion either to keep things compact and simple. And the same 10 megapixel front camera we see uh, on the Galaxy S10 series, but in a hole punch in the middle, kind of like the Note. Um, so basically that's, that's, that's the latest. And there's some renders, some actual like photos and as Stuart said earlier there's this very hot pink looking hmm. not hot pink but pinkish lilac purple looking color uh, it's interesting because when I read this aspect ratio Stuart 22 to 9 um, and I look at the leaked renders it doesn't look like it's a 22 to 9 aspect ratio on that it looks pretty wide for it doesn't look as tall as I would expect that. No, it's, it's certainly not as tall as the Sony Mobile, which was that one that came out last year. Xperia that was one, the Xperia one that seemed to yeah. be a lot taller. Um, yeah, it's maybe the maybe the bezel's a bit thicker than we're expecting it to be. Maybe the 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 leak is you know that's a slight sort of fudge on the on the ratio size when they put it into the could be the online ratio calculator um, to work these things out. It looks like the bezel is very similar to what we saw on the uh, Galaxy Fold. It's a plastic bezel that is raised. So, you know, you have a bit of a gap, like a, a, a height difference between the bezel and the actual screen, which is going to make, you know, uh, swipe gestures from the left for some apps a little more difficult. Mm. So be aware of that. That's one of the things that Ron on his Fold review was uh, commenting about. He's like, you know, considering gestures are becoming pretty commonplace on Android apps, it's a real, real gets really gets in the way of this bezel that's raised, right? Kind of reminds um, me of the old capacitive displays, you know, that you, correct. That you, in that sense that they had, I always remember they had raised bezels, didn't they? The, that sort for of sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next set of leaks we have are about Moto, and Moto is, you know, um, kind of seems to be cranking up some some devices. There's a lot of leaks from different things. As you know, the Razer went on sale last week on January 26th and is going to be shipping to the earliest peop, you know, buyers on the 6th of February. This is for the U.S. I don't know what it's going to be like in the UK. 19th of Feb for us. Okay, and did pre-orders are already uh, up? Pre-orders are already up, yeah, but 19th but of February. is the, later, okay. uh, the expected So that's, that's, that's the happening. Uh, Moto has been cranking out some YouTube, you know, how-to videos on their site about the phone, and one of them is about how to care for the phone. And, mm. and you know, it, it seems they're a little bit less um, gung-ho with their it's bulletproof and unbreakable than they were when we got briefed. I mean, they literally told us at the time, yeah, we, we, did, we did this right. This is going to be a very rugged phone. You don't have to treat it with kids' gloves. And, and their, their how-to videos now are a little bit more like, yeah, you can expect some bumps and lumps on the screen. That's normal. And, and so they're a little bit less, um, they're a bit more, I guess, uh, cautious about the 
quality, I guess, or reliability yeah, of it. Yeah, I think you know, I think we've all, I think all the manufacturers have learned about how how vicious and violent U.S. reviewers are. <laughs> and so uh you know they want to make sure that there's but it was u.s reviewers at the head of the briefing where they were so gung-ho about it and we held the phone we played with it we i have a hands-on video on my channel it, it was it felt steward so much better than the Ford. like i felt like i could drop kick that thing and nothing bad would happen to it yeah i mean it's good I honestly I've, I've did. It it's, it's a nice phone it just felt so solid and so well made in the hinge mechanism even the screen like very little give wherever you tapped on it uh, unlike the fold so i felt like it was interesting to me that they seem to be like a little more cautious. And I think maybe it's, you're right. Maybe they're just, the lawyers finally said, hey, we need to cover our asses here. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the rumors are more interesting. The things that we don't know for sure that Moto is working on. Um, there's supposedly a flagship phone on the way. Yeah, uh, what great. that means, I don't know, because they really haven't made a flagship in a while. So uh, they've been really focusing on the mid-range and their G-series, at least here in the U.S., which we're going to talk about in a second. We're due for another set of G phones. Um, the rumor of this flagship is basically that it's going to have a stylus, like an S-Pen type thing. I'm not sure if it's uh, just a capacitive nubbin at the end, uh, you know, like a dumb finger, basically, or if it's actually more than that. But we don't really know too much about it. There's a leak of a photo, and it's supposed to be, you know, the date on the phone says April 3rd. Read that with a grain of salt. Uh, it looks like it has a, basically a pen-like thing that with a silo, just like the, um, the, the, the note. So, and it might be, it might be a... It might be a flagship, whatever that means for Moto. What, what are your thoughts on this? I think, I mean, it's about time. I mean, the, the, the Moto range has been incredibly popular, more so in places like Brazil and, uh, and Russia and, and sort of what you'd call the BRIC nations. Um, that said, you know, they do the Moto, the, the, those G-series phones, you know, they're very good. They do very well in the UK. And I think there's a sense that they're probably seeing this sort of this gap in the market created by by the Huawei, um, you know, incident, let's call it, and, and thinking, well, actually, maybe this is our chance to, you know, really go for it. You know, they, we've seen the Razer that was really well received, um, right. certainly on the previews and certainly on that sort of launch. Everybody's really excited about it. Um, I don't know what pre, I don't know what the pre-orders are like at the moment, but I suspect that you know, it's there's many choices of folding phones, but at the moment, that seems to be the best option out there. Um, uh, and so I think if that goes well, I think, and that's probably why you're seeing this as a maybe a third of April uh, a launch date. I think if that goes well, they'll be buoyed into thinking, well, maybe we can we can create, you know, a decent flagship phone. Whether that is sort of a slightly below the the Samsungs and the iPhones of this world and sort of you know more affordable flagship, or whether they really go for it. Um, you know, with all the swings and bells and whistles, uh, is yet to be seen. But I, I think it's a positive way. Obviously, by adding a stylus, it kind of gives them that Note Galaxy Note feel to it, but doesn't. But also, could be slightly different to, you know, it gives them a, a variation, a, a differentiator on 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 the shop floor against the S twenty, and you know, this still would be the iPhone eleven, um, and compared to you know, not just being another Me Too device. But my question is, you know, obviously this is uh, the leak says it's a flagship, but maybe it's not. I'm thinking Moto hasn't really done a flagship properly in a while. I don't necessarily think they have a reason to. Like they could make a $500 affordable flagship or premium mid-range and make that it. I mean, it has a hole punch camera and, you know, LG in the US sells a $200-ish phone for prepaid markets that has a stylus has a silo for it too. And it's a purely a capacitive stylus. There's nothing to it, but it's called the LG Stylo, S-T-Y-L-O. And I think it's on the third version now, Stylo 2 or Stylo 3 or something. So it's not unheard of to see either kind of lower end or lower mid-range or, or mid-range product with a stylus that's not a Galaxy Note. It's been done before. No, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't get premium vibes from this from this phone, like just looking at it. But I could be wrong, you know. No, and I think I mean your, your your suggestion makes a lot of sense. If you think of it as a as a an affordable flagship um, that's set above the the G series, if you're a if you've enjoyed the G series, say you're a Brazilian and you've enjoyed the G series for quite some time, and you want yeah. to 
move up in what you feel is the phone world because you want something a bit more premium, there is nothing you kind of go, well, I really like the Moto experience and I like what they do and how they do it and all the other stuff. And now I'm having to go off to a Chinese brand or I'm going to have to go off to, you know, something else. And this would kind of be the good stepping stone for that audience that's now matured slightly with with Moto in, in their phone uses. They've been using the G-Series probably for two or three years and thinking, you know, maybe I'll treat myself. Maybe I want something a bit better. And this would, as you say, would give you a sense of being able to drop you know, drop that in as, a, as an upgrade to that. And that's why f- I'm not feeling this as a, as a flagship. I'm feeling this as a, you know, just a, f- a pretty nice mid-range phone on, or premium mid-range or affordable flagship because that makes more sense b- based on their markets and the fact that they don't, they, don't, they don't really exist as a premium flagship player in the US other wow. than the Razer. And it's always been about the Razer in the past anyway. They had Razer-branded non-folding phones for many years, right? It'll be a flagship to them. <laughs> For them, yes, indeed. But what I'm more excited about is the G8 leaks. So the G series has been kind of their bread and butter for a while, at yeah. least in the mid-range. I would say lower mid-range because it's not a $500 phone. It's around 300 And there are some variants uh, like the G- G series Play and the G series Power, which are uh, even cheaper, to, uh, down to $200 in the yeah. US. Um, so this is exciting. This leak on the G8 looks, this looks a lot like you know, higher spec phones they've made, like the the most recent one, the Moto Hyper that was launched in December. Yep. Uh, uh, that's a kind of a four or $500 phone that has a lot of imaging chops. So this is exciting to me because this, this leak shows triple rear camera on a G series. And I'm like, wow, this is super cool. Uh, it says it has a 16 megapixel F of 1.7 main sensor, two megapixel f over 2.2 macro lens an eight megapixel f over 2.2 wide angle so it's three in the rear and then an eight megapixel in the front and it looks great it has a hole punch uh it has a bit of a a chin bezel but the rest of the bezel looks a lot like an iphone 11 and you know it's probably going to be powered by a Snapdragon 600 series of some mm. kind, like all the Gs have been lately. Yeah, uh, this is an LCD panel, not an OLED. So there's probably going to be a fingerprint reader in the back in the Moto logo or something like that, or maybe on the edge. But I mean, it looks hot. The white one they showed there, and you know, it's rumored to have a large battery, uh, 4,000 milliamp hour and 6.39 inch display, four gigs of RAM, 62 and 32 gigs of storage option. So I don't know, uh, I'm in. And then there's a power, which is a little cheaper, which is a, basically a big battery version with some, some features cut out. So it, this, had, this would have a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Yeah, I think, I mean, it looks, you know, it looks like a fantastic evolution from what we've been seeing previously from the G-Series range. My concern, as always, with the G-Series is that there are so many variants and options that it can get a bit confusing for someone oh, walking so into a confusing. shop. You know, is it the power? Is it the play? Is it the hyper? Is it the play power? Is it, you know, all these kind of things? So I think it's just, you know, they're obviously trying to hit so many different market segments that they have to, uh, you know, come up with all these different variants. But as a, you know, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way, but as a, a good run-of-the-mill phone with you know ever increasing specs because you know that's what that's what technology and and age allows you to do eventually you know i think this is i think it will be if if it matches the specs um you know that are leaked so far i think it'll be a a very well well um received phone and i think it'll do very well in terms of sales in in the markets of of people upgrading. I mean, this is, you know, in the same way that, you know, people upgrade from, you know, iPhone, they wait two years and they upgrade to the new iPhone and it's all excited. Exactly the same happens with the Moto G series, um, but just, you know, a lower price point. And I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I'm super excited. I love the G series. I reviewed the six, I mean, all of them, but the six and the seven, I have active written long form reviews uh, on Geekspin. You should check them out. And, um, the EGA to me, um, I mean, they've always been a little pricey if you really compare to what you can get from China, right? But since you can't really get from China in the US in the sense that if you want a warranty and you want support for the proper bands, and more importantly, and this is the one thing the G-Series, at least the US 
version of the G-Series has brought to the table consistently as an unlocked device for three or four years now is support for Verizon and Sprint, which, as you know, requires some legacy CDMA bands, mm. which is really hard to, to, to do, right? So, um, you know, the G-Series, because of that, to me, has been a, on my recommended list for a mid-ranger to anybody in the U.S. for a long time, and I've reviewed them and liked them. I find that they're a little like, pricier because, obviously, you know, you can get Xiaomi and Oppo phones that cost significantly less, and that, or even Huawei ones that are, you know, better in specs. But the experience of this pure Android, the fact that you have all the bands, the fact that it's sold and warranted and perfectly widely available, is a big deal. And they go down in price quickly, so I would never buy a G series like early i would say if it comes out around mwc or after i would buy it in june july and then you're going to get fifty dollars a hundred dollars off and you're going to be able to save some money on a phone that really kicks ass and looking at the specs on the imaging here i'm excited because the imaging has never been a strong suit for the g in any way but it's never been terrible either it's always held its own it's always taken decent photos in its price range and so multiple camera lenses is going to add to that experience for the end user and i'm stoked about it yeah i mean as you're saying about price dropping, I'm just just looking while we've been talking. The, the Motorola G Plus, you know, G8 Plus, which is the considered the one that's slightly above this, where this will fit into, you know, it's now 200 pounds in the UK. It's already dropped by 40 pounds. You know, so what's that about 55, 60 dollars in since since October, which makes this you know a sub 200 pound phone now. So, you know, for the the G8 to slip in, it, it's definitely going to be under 200 pounds in the UK, maybe even cheaper. I mean, this is how Moto operates. I don't know what the strategy is there. Like, why don't they sell them the right price in the first place? <laughs> um, but I guess it works for the customer long-term as long as you're informed enough to wait a little bit with those G-Series. And then, of course, there's the E-Series and whatever quote-unquote flagship they're working yeah. on. Look, I'm gung-ho. I'm excited. I mean, the Moto Hyper, by the way, I just want to tell you, I finally have a review unit, and this is tell you, the listeners. I know a lot of people loved my hands-on video that I did at the Qualcomm event with it. Somehow, Moto chose to launch it there. It had nothing to do with the summit because it didn't have any technology that was announced at the summit in it but i guess they decided hey all the journalists are going to be in hawaii in one place happily fed and by the beach let's show them a phone and i have a hyper i'll let you know how i feel about it i'm excited about it um so there you go it's taken a while for moto to give me that one those those moto one series phones there's a moto action moto zoom moto uh, hyper, like there's a whole bunch that are kind of imaging centric that have been released in the last year or so, ever since the Moto One. And they're no longer running Android One now, but they're kind of like affordable mid range, 300 to $500, and they're not G series basically. <laughs> so I, I'm always interested in them, and they haven't been able to supply review units to me about for them. They're, I think, very popular in South America, these particular phones. So I finally have three of them I have the Action, the Zoom, and the hyper, and then there was a another one. I can't remember. They made they made three of them uh, before the hyper. Anyway, so I have those. So stay tuned for some YouTube videos and some coverage on the show. Uh, you're a big Nokia person because you were around uh-huh. in the early days doing Symbian. <laughs> you and I. So what do you think of this rumor of a Nokia flagship to replace the nine called the nine point two that completely ditches the crazy camera tech? Yeah, I kind of I've. Nokia just seem to be so confusing at the moment in these sort of all these point dots that they kind of want to introduce and whatever. They've obviously thrown, you know, if they're going to drop the the light camera technology, clearly it hasn't worked. Or if it, you know, I, I don't think it never worked, worked, but it's just it was so confusing that people were kind of like, what? How's this work again? And like, do I really want this? So I think it's it's Nokia seems to me certainly in more recent times seems to have got a little bit lost recently and what it's producing and who it's producing for i think it's too many phones too confusing of a roadmap and uh, this promise of android one not really being kept in so far that they're not updating their phones fast enough and well enough and other than that I'm, the phones themselves are okay they're pretty decent but they just seem to be good enough not great you know what i'm saying like i have a nokia 7.2 and a nokia 6.2 and Honestly, I, I can't recommend either of them. Not at the price points they sell in this country. Um, they're they're fine, but they're really way more fine if they're a hundred dollars less. Like, and and even the camera features on that Zeiss Optics on the seven two are just leaving me pretty cold. I just I I can think of many phones that have better imaging at that price point, and you know, 
What's all the brouhaha about then, right? Well, I think it's one of those things where the message seems to be confused because one point they're saying, well, you need a dozen cameras, it feels like, on the back. And then the next minute they say, oh, actually, we've got this phone and it produces just as good results, but it doesn't have as many cameras. And you kind of, you're like, well, which which one is it? You know, you can't <laughs> sort of, you know, and I think even, I just feel that, unfortunately, for them at the moment, that. They're producing the the phones that they're producing. They aren't terrible. Um, it's just that everybody else is just slightly better. Um, exactly, they're just good enough. They're not. Competitive. Yeah, they're kind of that. They it almost feels like sometimes they're just there to fill a shelf, um, yeah. rather than stand out and say, "This is amazing. You've got to have it." Which is a shame because you know they they know what they're doing. Um, they just need to do it a little bit better. <laughs> exactly. So this nine point two Pure View is basically rumored to replace the 9. And the way they're going to do it is by getting rid of this light technology and going to a you know traditional triple camera system, ultra-wide, telephoto, and regular, right? Uh, with a, probably a high pixel count regular. So in a way, it's kind of disappointing. But at the same time, you know, if it takes good photos with that setup, I'm on board. I'd rather have that than uh, then have to worry about the experimentalness of things. Look, I'm, I was 100% on board with what they were trying to do with the Nokia 9, and I think that in some cases it was an incredible camera. But I felt that it wasn't the kind of camera people want in the sense that it needs to cover the basics, be good at taking photos pretty much automatically uh, almost every time properly, right? And it, it, it didn't really do that. So I think that... You know, it's it's typical, you know, Stuart, it's typical Nokia, it feels like to me, that it seems like the old Nokia came back through the cracks. The zombie has been kind of, you know, infused with some essence of the old Nokia because because um, I call the new Nokia the Nokia zombie because uh, it's reborn. <laughs> uh, but, but I feel like in four years when compute power can do what they were trying to do, it'll be fine. But, I mean... They've they've had a history of this. Remember the Pure View that had like forty two megapixels. Or That's something what I'm saying, right? It's this is this is the old Nokia kind of soiling the new Nokia in a way. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I think what you'll end up is it's this is not exciting, but what will end up I think is the camera on the uh, nine point two will look probably identical in form factor to the the one that's found on the seven point two, the one that's found on the six point two, and it will just exactly. have better sensors and, and, and better optics. Yeah, you know, and hopefully it think, actually delivers on that yeah. because we don't yet have any of the HMD Global Nokia, new Nokia, zombie Nokia phones that have delivered in terms of imaging, in my opinion, yet. None of them have. They've tried, but they have not succeeded. And I want to see that. I want to see one that finally at least can stand up to an iPhone, a Samsung, um, even if you can be slightly better than OnePlus, which, as you know, is not the reference for imaging. Yeah. But they're trying really hard every year. They're trying to improve. So I want to see Nokia HMD Global do that. And we're looking, we're looking at a, a flagship here, 865 chipset, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, let's see what happens. But you can forget about the technology they use in the Nokia 9 PureView with, with the five cameras. That seems to be shelved for now. And I'm not saying that is a bad idea and was a bad idea. I feel that... It was just like a prototype being sold. It was not ready for prime time. It needed more compute power to really work properly. Yeah, you know? And then let's see what else we got here. We got some more. We've got some uh, OnePlus camera rumors. So there you go. I kind of segued into it completely by accident. Um, OnePlus announced this is not like a rumor. They they came out and said it, that they are working on improving the cameras on the next generation OnePlus and potentially some of the software um, in the current generation OnePluses to, um, to you know, be more competitive with the Samsung Apples and Pixels of the world. So that's exciting because to me, having used many OnePlus phones over the years, especially this past year where they've, I felt really nailed the formula, um, the imaging is always what holds me back. Like, I wish I could make it my main phone, but I feel like I'm going to be, yeah. you know, hurting a little bit in the camera department. So I still keep an iPhone around or a Pixel around or a Note around or something just in case. And I just don't want to have to do that anymore. Like, uh, you know, Eric at uh, OnePlus PR for the US always asked me, Miriam, you love our phones. You always go on and on and I never see you with that as your main phone. And I'm like, 
cameras it's it's the camera that's why i'm a i'm a, also i'm a bit of a you know I, i'm being held hostage by google and the pixel in many ways even though right now i feel the pixel this last year was was disappointing in many ways i'm still on board because pure android updates decent you know very good camera even though it's missing an ultra wide battery life sucks there's all kinds of issues but you know it's like hard to break me out of that and oneplus is the only company that i can think can come close but imaging is what's what's hard for me so what's your experience been have you have you used the oneplus phones uh i've used i use some of the uh the six i think i haven't used the seven um but the team have at pocket lint and you know it's the same it's exactly what you're saying it's that they they have you know some great elements to them uh unfortunately from a photography perspective compared to the pixel compared to the huawei p30 compared to the, the note 10 you know the s10 sorry you know it just doesn't it doesn't kind of come close and so you kind of find yourself going hmm okay it's yeah, yeah it's just not you can't use it as your main camera phone so what I, what they're looking at bringing is uh, better consistency between cameras for exposure and color and white balance. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know what the iPhone does so well yeah. on the 11 Pro in particular, where you have three different cameras and the color signs, the exposure signs, everything seems to be perfectly matched between the three. If you switch between them in video, your reds don't suddenly change tone or anything like that. So they're working on that. They're working on better autofocus. They're working on better skin tones, uh, better sharpness, better light flickering compensation, a lot of video improvements around panning shots. But this is, you know, not to interrupt you here, but this is this is typical OnePlus. This is what they do. They, you know, look, we're, we're trying to make everything better. You know, the fact that they, they have to say that they're trying to make it better is kind of worrying in itself because surely this should just be part of making the camera better. <laughs> it's that I, I know, but I think, you know, the, they have a very invested core audience that they take a lot of feedback from. And I think that this is a feedback loop, right? So they're saying, okay, we heard you. These other things were improving, right? So they're looking at, you know, also speed improvements and they want to support the same video modes on all three lenses. They want to do things like, you know, add a video pro video mode. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. I'll link an article to Android Central that has all the details. Uh, but ultimately, this is good news no matter what. It means that if you have a OnePlus today, you'll get slightly better imaging soon. And if you buy a OnePlus 8 of one of the OnePlus 8s that come out this year, you should even get better hardware as well, not not just software. Because uh, OnePlus has often just sat on their laurels and use, reused the same imaging hardware year to year. So that's good to know that they're actually aware of that. The final piece of news before we wrap up is, I don't know if you've been following this Xiaomi Pocophone stuff, um, you're probably very familiar with the F1 that came out, what, almost two years ago now? Yeah. So, so I mean, the price, I think, uh, was amazing. You, you, at the time, got a Snapdragon 845 for $300. And, yeah, yeah, you know, there are some corners cut. You're getting a plastic build and stuff. But the level of performance, especially if you were into gaming for this phone at the time, was incredible. And, you know, since then, Xiaomi has done the same with the Redmi phones, like the K20 Pro last year and now the K30 Pro. And so there's rumors that last week we talked about this, uh, that Pocophone is now an independent brand, like they've been spun out by Xiaomi to kind of fight in the uh, in India, right, um, against Realme, the Oppo brand. Yep. And so that's exciting to me because it, it means that they're really getting serious with Poco. And so it looks like the initial Pocophone X2, it's not going to be called F2, it's going to be called X2, is going to be a rebranded K30 Pro from Redmi. So that's not a bad thing. But the kicker is that it means it's going to inherit the 120 hertz display. And, you know, if the price is aggressive enough, especially since it's targeting uh, India, I think this phone might be pretty impressive spec-wise for the money uh, and uh, deliver 120 hertz display at potentially a $300 price point or $400. So, wow, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's the, what you're seeing from a lot of these companies is, and you know, we talked about this with Moto and we talked about this, you know, else, elsewhere, is that the price of this tech is now coming down, but, you know, almost partly to the success of some of these flagship devices that are selling in large quantities means that making some of this tech, and if you've got a company like Oppo, you know, or um, Xiaomi, who've got not only a great supply chain, but also they're, they're selling at high end, then they've got this this brand, you know, they've got the other brands, you know, they can they can kind of, divide and conquer and therefore use the tech and therefore the tech trickles down very quickly 
you know, in the days of of Nokia and BlackBerry and stuff, you you didn't have that same power to you come up with something new and exciting. It would take a long time for that tech to trickle down into the cheaper phones that you know more affordable phones. Now that that seems to have really accelerated at such a high speed that the stuff that you think, wow, this is on a fifteen hundred dollar smartphone last year, you know, I only have to wait two years and then it's it's on a 300 dollar device that's you know that's being pushed out the same sort of space so i think it's you know and you'll only see this going faster and faster especially as you know a lot of as i said oppo and xiaomi they own a lot of brands that you might not be aware of that they own or involved in and what have you and therefore they just it will trickle down even quicker i think yeah no this is exciting to me i think I think the key takeaway here is that, you know, they already make the phone pretty much they're going to launch, but this is going to launch uh, possibly even more aggressive price point, particularly targeted at India um, as the first of an independent brand, just very much like Realme first was essentially a rebranded Oppo phone, the first phone they made, and then eventually they made custom devices for the Realme brand. We're going to see the same with Poco and Xiaomi. Uh, they're not going to recycle their Redmi brand uh, like they're doing for this first one. Well, I guess not their first, it's their second technically now. But I think um, the takeaway is great specs for the price. And more importantly, if it's the same as the F1 was, a much purer Android experience. Uh, you know, not as much skinning. So I'm hoping that's also the truth. But last year's K20 Pro from Redmi, I kind of think as the... Um, you know, it also sold as the Mi 9T Pro from Xiaomi. So you could get it from both brands. But it was a $350 Snapdragon 855 equipped triple rear camera phone with a glass and aluminum chassis. Uh, at that price point, it was insane. And it performed like a champ. And it felt to me like the spiritual successor to the F1, uh, even though it wasn't a Pocophone branded phone. So it's interesting to me that they would have chosen the K30 Pro, the successor um, from Redmi, as their new Pocophone independent brand, uh, you know, first phone, right? So I think it's cool. I'm excited about it. I'm pretty gung-ho, as my audience knows, about the Chinese phones at that price bracket because I feel that's a lot where the innovation is happening right now. Even if you have to kind of suffer if you import one of those because of the skinning sometimes. But more importantly, because in the US, we have all these weird bands. And so all the phones are pretty universal these days and they support a lot of bands. You still lose out on some important uh, bands for especially the low you know the low band area uh, the 600 700 megahertz where a lot of it is needed in the US because of the size of the country so if you're willing to make a compromise and especially if you live in an urban setting these Chinese imports are actually pretty interesting if you are looking for un unlocked phones are these all sold officially in UK uh, I don't think the Poco is I think you can get it through certain places, but I don't think it's not sort of something you'd walk down to the local. But you guys can get you guys can get Oppo and Redmi oh, and yes. Xiaomi, yeah. right? Yeah. And Vivo is Vivo there? No, not really. Vivo is really, I think, sticking to Asia right now more than anything else. But hey, anyway, look, this is the news. This is what we've got in terms of rumors and news, and and uh, I think you know I'm excited about what's coming in in uh in the next month at mwc and of course the rest of the year in 2020 and i want to thank you for for being my guest and being on the show do you want to tell folks um Stuart, where they can find you on the internet like your twitter instagram anything else you want to share that you think is important yeah so i mean obviously you can come to uh, pocket-lent.com uh, the website I founded in 2003. There we go. There's a thing that we're very consumer focused, tech news, reviews, uh, features, buying guides, all those kind of things. Uh, personally, I'm at Stuart Miles on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Uh, luckily, been around long enough that I remember the launch of Twitter. So that was fine. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, I got I got Stuart Miles quite early on, so that was great. Uh, but otherwise, you can see me on uh, yeah, mainly Pocket Lint's probably the easiest one to to tell you about. Yes, and so for those Americans listening, it's pocket-lint.com. And uh, Stuart, spelled S-T-U-A-R-T. Yes. Just in case you're looking for Stuart. 
Yeah, so you know where to find me on the internet, folks. I'm at Tankrel. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and on Instagram. It's the same handle. It's basically like the comic book character Tankrel, but drop all the vowels. And that's how you can find me on social. If you want to discuss this podcast, do it on Twitter. There's It's harder to comment because this podcast is on so many platforms. So uh, talk to me on Twitter. As you know, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. We're on uh, Spotify as well. Look for Mobile Tech Podcasts or just type in tank girl without the vowels and of course my uh, instagram is a great place to look at photos of the phones i'm playing with and photos taken with the phones that i'm using right now uh, right now i have a mate 30 pro and the photos are pretty cool so check that out um, there's also of course a url mobiletechpodcast.com if you want to be old school and use an rss reader for your podcast you can go to that url um, but whatever you do if you have an ability to rate the podcast and review the podcast in your app please do that that really helps us a lot there's also a youtube channel associated with the podcast called mobile tech podcast if you go to youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast yes for those following the saga i finally got my url from youtube so it's youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast uh, check it out there's unboxings there's hands-ons there's going to be a ton of mwc coverage there so you should be there for that and finally i want to thank our sponsor Audible.com has been with us since uh, the beginning, pretty much, and they've been awesome. They uh, are the platform you want to go to if you want to uh, listen to books instead of read them. Maybe you're going on a road trip for the day and you're driving so you can't read a book. Well, guess what? Listen to one instead. Audible makes that possible. They have an incredible selection. A lot of the books are read by the authors. It's really quite the experience. I would suggest you try it out. And if you do want to try it out, you can help the podcast. We give you a 30-day free trial where you get to keep uh, one or two of the books at the end. And more importantly, you don't have to you know, continue if you don't want to and you still support the show. Although I suggest you do support uh, Audible and continue with them because I think you'll love it. So check it out. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And of course, I'll put that link in the show description, show notes below so that you can click on it. Please check it out. Please support the podcast. Please help us by joining Audible, even if you don't feel like it's your thing in the end. But I have a hunch you will like it. So that's it, folks. Stuart, thanks again for being on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. We'll have you on sometime again. And we'll obviously have a show next week. So stay tuned for that, folks. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.